0: Hi, this is Craig thank you for tuning in and hearing another message from our Lord and Savior a message to help us and our Christian walk do you want to talk or you just like to talk I think that is a great question for another sermon but that's not the title today today we're going to talk about sin the title of the message is sin in a box. Now, I'm not talking about sin like murder or coveting your neighbor's wife or any of those obvious sins that we all know about. I'm talking about the sins that are not so obvious. The sin that can keep you down and away from God. The sin that in tiny spoonfuls feels so good, but with too much of it, it's obviously a sin. In Matthew 5.22, Jesus says, But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. That's a pretty powerful statement. Anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. But hold on. When we continue just a little further down the chapter, we see in verse 28, Jesus, he continues on. He says, But I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery in his heart. Now, let, let, let's think about that for just a minute here. If, if, if I see a pretty woman on TV or walking down the street and think a lustful thought, then I have just committed a sin. And if a co-worker has made me angry and, and I keep that anger and bitterness in me and I hold a grudge or just wish a hurtful thing that might happen to them, I have also sinned. And these are just a couple of examples of so many that are out there. But Jesus talked of much more in Scripture. Yeah, I'm sure you're thinking, well, what do I do to get rid of this sin then, Craig? Well, Matthew 7, verse 7 and 8 says how to do just that. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks the door will be opened. Now, if you break that down, this is what it's saying. Ask, seek, and knock. And if we take the first letters of each of those words, we can make an acronym. Ask, A-S-K. That's all you have to do. All you have to do is ask for forgiveness. And that those sins you've committed, they will continue to separate you from God until you ask for forgiveness. And then you might say, well, if all I have to do is ask for forgiveness, and when I do this sin again, I'm I'm covered, right? Well, you know, we know the answer to that. Not exactly. You will be forgiven for a sin. But if you continue that sin, then you truly don't really want forgiveness. You just want to get out of jail free card. And Jesus is not a get-out-of-jail-free card, I'm telling you. What do I do then when you ask? When you're asking for forgiveness for those sins, you must repent to receive it. Repent means to not only ask Jesus to forgive you, but for you to stop doing the sin. We must repent. Just asking forgiveness is not enough. Now think about this. Remember those sins that I just shared a few minutes ago? what if something happened to you today and you were to die and come before the judgment of the Lord? And what if that one sin is sticking out there that Jesus thought of as a little more important than any of the other ones you were guilty of? What would you do? And what if that one sin would be enough to keep you out of God's glory? And what if God has a limit Of how many times you will forgive that sin. And you passed that limit a long time ago. What would you do? Now, most of us would be in very deep trouble, I'm telling you. Even though there are sins that no one sees, we still try to hide them in a box. But there are still sins. Those secret sins we're hiding, that's what Satan uses against us. He wants those kinds of thoughts to stay in your head because it makes it much easier for you to do the same sin if you're continually thinking about it. And Just as when his child is brought up in a household of sin or debauchery and he, he's surrounded by outside forces that want to do him harm, as he grows up and he sees these things going on around him, he is likely to fall prey to all of them and... he he ends up just doing the same things he saw because he believes this is a normal way of life. So if someone were to ask you if you were a sinner, how would you respond? I can say with certainty you should answer yes, you are a sinner. Why? Well, not to offend you, but because no one is without sin, including you. And how do I know this? The Bible tells us so. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned. That's you. That's me. That's your spouse. That's your brother, your sister, your mom. Every, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned. It tells you right there. Let's say I told Everyone to run a race from the East Coast to the West Coast. No one's up to that standard to do that, right? Some will make it a lot further than others, and there'll be some that not even make it out of the starting gate. But God has set a standard, too, for this. And none of us can live up to that standard. The standard he has set is godliness. I'm sorry to bury that bad news to you. But wait, wait, hold on. It only gets worse before it gets better, believe it or not. How's that? In Romans chapter 6, verse 23, you get the really bad news. For the wages of sin is death. That's a pretty grim outlook, I would say. Say you are mowing lawn and you earn $25. That's your wages for the work that you did. Your wages for sin mm, is death. And that's pretty straightforward. If I were visiting with you face-to-face today in this conversation, I'd probably see you mumbling something under your breath about how unfair that might be. and That, you know, why is it like that? That's just not fair. But that is the absolute of this scripture. That is the absolute. There's no gray area here. But don't give up. Remember I said get worse before it gets better? Okay, just give me a few more minutes and I'll get to the part where it gets better. But first, I want to tell you a short story from the Bible. This story is in John chapter 8, verses 2 through 11. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple. He, Jesus, appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now, what do you say? See, they were using this kind of question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down. He started to write on the ground with his finger. And when they kept on questioning he stood up and he said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw the stone at her. Again, he stooped down and he rode on the ground some more. At this, those who heard what he said, they began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. He stood up again and he asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I continue, Jesus declared. Interesting story. It shows no man is without sin. But it also gets to that good that I spoke of earlier. And I want to touch on that here in uh, verse 7. Verse 7 said, When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw the stone this verse is significant because it's about compassion and the judgment of others. By saying that only a sinless person could throw the first stone, he highlighted the importance of mercy and forgiveness here. And when others are caught in sin, are you quick to pass judgment on them? You know, it's God's role to judge, not ours. You don't have any right to. That's God's role. Now, I said there is some good to come out of all this, and That good is Jesus Christ. He came down to earth to wipe the slate clean and make our sins go away. And because of Jesus, we can repent from our sins and they are forgiven and forgotten. There is that word again, though, repent. It's a powerful word. Yeah, it it can make your sins go away. But how many people use it that way? Jesus told the woman, go and sin no more. He doesn't want us to sin, but he knows that we are not perfect. So we will sin and we will repent. The misuse of repentance is what I'm working towards though here for a moment. And an easy example is people who go to church service on Sundays to repent so that they can go out all week and commit the same sins all over again. What do you think about that? Is it worth repenting if you're just going to repeat the same sins six days a week? And I'm sure you know what definition of a hypocrite is. I've talked about that many times in a number of different messages. Let me remind you, though. It is a person who pretends to have virtuals, morals, or religious beliefs, principles, you know, etc. All those attributes that he or she does not actually possess. They just pretend they're wearing a mask all the time. They're fake. They're phonies. Now, I'm sure that you touched a nerve for you though today on all this but jesus does not want us to sin plain and simple he wants us to strive for that perfection like his father has godliness is what we should strive for i have a verse that is a strong one but it goes right along with our message today it's in proverbs chapter 11 verses 8 and 9 the righteous is delivered out of trouble and the wicked Cometh instead. A hypocrite with his mouth destroys his neighbor, but through knowledge shall the just be delivered. And the definition of repent is to feel sorry, self-reproachful, contrite for past conduct, regret, and be conscious stricken about a past action or a bad attitude. So how can you truly repent if you keep doing the same things over and over? And over again. How can you be conscious stricken and repeat the same sins every week? Can you slander a neighbor or a colleague and then do it again if you really feel sorry about it? I'm I, Sorry, I, I just don't see how you can do that. To truly repent is to feel in your heart that you've done wrong. To make a mistake and feel you have made it and try not to do it again. When Jesus told the adulteress to sin no more, he didn't tell her to sin no more until a weekday. He didn't say don't sin today only. He said no more, period. Sin no more. And Jesus understands if you make a mistake again out of pure accident, yeah, well, no one's perfect. Well, just one was perfect, but none of us are. And as we heard today, We all are sinners. And I want everyone to think about the sins they make over and over. Think about it. Think about whether you make them on accident or do you just keep making the same mistakes because you don't feel remorse for doing it the first time. And actually, if you're going to keep doing it, it is not really a mistake. You're purposely sinning with no remorse. Here's a quick story. On a sunny September day in Chicago, a stern-faced, plain, plainly-dressed man, he, he could be standing in the still on the corner street there in a the busy loop area, where we, many of us who have been there are familiar where the loop is. And as people were hurrying on, waiting to the lunch or business or just preoccupied with life, he would solemnly lift his right arm and he'd point to the person nearest him walking by. And he'd say in one loud word, Guilty! And he'd do this without any change of expression. And then he'd resume his stiff stance there for a short period, and he'd repeat the process again. Again and again, he'd raise his right arm, point to the person that was walking by him, and pronounce them guilty! There was another person in this area, and they described the reactions of all these people walking by almost eerie. It's as if they didn't quite know how to respond. One man, perhaps describing how many others probably felt, he turned to this other person and he said, How did he know? So, whatever happened to sin? It's not that sin has disappeared or that we no longer feel guilty. In fact, most people could respond just like that pastor's by in Chicago. Most people do have a sense of their own guilt. They feel guilty, not because someone tells them they're guilty, but because they truly are guilty. And they're trying to hide them in their private box. Put those sins in a box that no one can see. So we're guilty because we've done wrong. And guilt is not some dysfunctional feeling that we should not be having. Guilt is a warning that tells us we have violated the moral code. We're all guilty. 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 And it should be obviously clear that we've all failed to meet the standards. Sin, however, is largely ignored. as a moral evil today. Now, we don't like to use that term. We downplay sin. We we say that we have faults or shortcomings, hang-ups. Ah, I have problems. That oh, was a mistake. Oh, I slipped up. Or that we're dysfunctional or we're sick we simply don't like to use the word sin we don't want to be called a sinner and why is this well there's probably many reasons one that comes to mind here real quick as we're we're talking is that sin has a religious overtone normally when we think of sin we also think of god and after all isn't sin breaking the law of god and if we break the law of god Do we not have to answer to God for breaking his law? See, many people don't like to think of that possibility. And why not? Ah, because it's simply easier to talk about a failure than a sin. And another reason is our silly culture that we're in. Calling a thing a sin is taking matters just a little too far. What is true yesterday may not be true today or tomorrow. It keeps changing. And if society can do away with God, truth, and morality becomes what the culture currently says it is. Therefore, to call faults, failures, and mistakes, sin is just ridiculous, wouldn't you say? There's one problem with that kind of thinking. It's all wrong. There is a God, and he takes sin quite seriously. The Bible is clear when it calls sin a violation of God's law. And it's also clear when it declares that we have all committed sin. We're all sinners. Even if you only committed one sin a day for your average lifetime, you'd have over, mm, I don't know, quick math, 70,000 sins on your record, let's say. And most of us manage to commit a few more than one sin a day. And you may think you can hide your sins from others. You can keep them in there boxed up and keep them hidden in your closet. And they're not going to find out. But Jesus knows all. And he knows when you sin. He knows what's in that box. You can't hide it from him. God hates sin because sin is hateful. It corrupts. It destroys. And if you take sin seriously, you must comprehend the true dangers of sin. Sin is so dangerous, it can cause a person to be thrown into hell. That's how dangerous it is. Now, we live in a world that does not like to shoulder the responsibility for its actions. We either try to blame someone or something else for everything. Our parents, our genetic makeup, our environment. Not just because I don't feel like it. Our society as a whole. I'm getting way ahead of getting excited here. However, as we all know that society is a champion at playing scapegoat. It's always someone else's fault how you feel. It's always something out there that's caused me to be the way I am. I don't know any better. I'm getting ready to close here. Where do you stand in this arena, though? What are you standing there? Do you take sin seriously or do you seriously sin? We would do one or the other, but Jesus' message is quite clear. We must deal seriously with sin because sin is serious business. And how you deal with sin should be extremely important to you because it can and will destroy you. In fact, You may be in the process of being destroyed right now. I'm going to close here with two questions for you. How do you view sin? How do you view sin? And the second one is, how do you deal with sin in your life? The answer to the first question will tell you how you deal with sin in your life. That will tell you the answer to the second question. Think about it hard. Sin is serious business. And you can't hide it anywhere. Lord, your message has been powerful today. Thank you for bringing this to our attention. Yeah, we all know it. Thank you for the reminding us the severity of what sin is about. And what sin means. And what it does to our relationship with you. Lord, guide us each day. Give us strength. Give us the powers that you provide us to overcome. Look the other way. Avoid the sins that are out there to try to destroy us. Blessing to the listeners that receive this as this post now, And let them receive all that you have. Encouraging them in their walk each day with you. Amen and amen.